The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Pachak. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Pachak Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from the Axon's Time Loop. Live from the Axon's Time Loop. Live from the Axon's Time Loop. It's Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Pachak. Nothing at all. No. Brigadier, as head of this committee of inquiry, I must remind you of the Defence Ministry ruling. Mr Chin, as head of unit, I must remind you that we're not in the Ministry of Defence. All personnel must be properly screened and, and scrupulously, scrupulously filed. filed. As an elementary security precaution, I must insist upon a file for this doctor... what's his name? I'm sorry, Mr Chin. I am personally responsible for the doctor. Typical. Absolutely typical. That's the kind of high-handed attitude one's come to expect from the UN recently. Now, Brigadier, what about this doctor? I gather he's not a British subject. Well, then, who is he and where does he come from? Good morning. Oh, morning. I gather Washington think it's time the master was dealt with. Uh, something like that. And you're going to deal with him single-handed? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that was Errol Flynn. Who? Forget it. My dear Mr. Chin, if I could leave, I would. If only to get away from people like you. Doctor! Answer petty obsessions! England for the English, good heavens, man! I have a duty to my country, not to the world! Good morning. Oh, I'm sorry, has the conference started? No, not yet. This is Bill Filer from Washington HQ. The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who, Podshock, episode 304. Yes, Doctor Who Pachaka is back. All right, well, we're going to explain that a little later on, but I uh, just figured we'll open up that episode with a little, uh, a little differently this way, this time. A little funky. Anyway, this is uh, Louis Trapani. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, this is Louis Trapani, and the voice you just heard 
is Ian Bissett, who is not across the pond, but he plays across the pond on television or maybe on some podcasts. But he's uh he's he's down downwind or actually not downwind but down down if I was if, if there That's is no nice up and down story. he's south of me. I don't get paid enough for this. <laughs> downwind. <laughs> I like that. All right, he's upwind. Well, actually, the wind doesn't. It, it goes uh, across us. It doesn't really go up or down unless it's a northeaster or northeasterner. Then he's. Wind, I think. Keep keep digging, Trebani. <laughs> keep digging. <laughs> I need a shovel, a bigger one. <laughs> yes, so you can dig all the way to Manchester. Yes, which will we'll, where we'll find Mr. Dave A. C. Cooper. Hi. Uh, when you said downwind, I mean I keep him downwind when we're doing a, another podcast. But he sounded a bit like Pigbin Josh from the episode we might be talking about, and. Um, Apologies. I'm in England. England for the English. Oh, no, I shouldn't say things like that. <laughs> Hi, everyone. England is for the English, really? <laughs> Absolutely. And all... Actually, no, we're a very open country. It's one of the great things about it. It's um, open to all uh, people who want to uh, take part in our culture. That's brilliant. No, it is. Well, you guys just got, you just got indoor plumbing just recently, didn't you? Oh, we've even <laughs> let... We've even let John Levine come back to the UK, so, I mean, we'll let anybody in. Well, did, did he bring his closet? <laughs> well, Toby Haydock says he did. Ah. There you go. That's all that's needed. Well, later on in this episode, we'll be reviewing the claws of Axos. So it's, um, if, if you're a diehard Doctor Who fan, you probably picked up on that from the clip that we had and... Um, and, and our discussion, but so, but we'll save more for that later. Anyway, so I hope everyone's doing well. Hey, we are it's, indeed. Yep. Okay, it's good. Stay dry. <laughs> well, drier. It's been a very wet spring. Oh, and well, I won't mention drier in your presence. <laughs> we don't have the time for that. No, <laughs> time is running out. Or not, as the case may be. Time is wow, short. a lot of in-jokes on this show. Yes, <laughs> that no one else other than the us three will understand, so. <laughs> Everyone's scratching their heads. What's John Levine's <laughs> closet have to do with anything? Take, yeah, take it on the chin. Take it on the chin. <laughs> chin. <laughs> oh, dear, 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 dear. The puns are flying fast, folks. And as long as they're flying, then uh, let's try and catch up with them and catch up with some news. News it is. And you know what that means. Welcome to the news. It means somebody has to find the uh, typewriter clip. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, who's got the first one then? <laughs> moving along, moving along, come on. Let's get some pace in. Yeah, well, we got some kudos and accolades and um, with... Um, I guess it's the Critics' Choice Television Awards that Doctor Who and Adventure in Time and Space has been nominated for three of their awards, um, including um, the drama itself has been nom nominated in the Best Movie category. And David Bradley, who plays William Hartnell, the, you know, who plays the actor William Hartnell in the series, is uh, nominated for Best Actor in a Movie of a Miniseries. And Jessica Rain, uh, who... Um, 
plays Rarity Lambert in the in this in the special in the movie is uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actress in a movie or miniseries. Excellent. Yeah. It was an excellent little thing. Deservedly so as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's great. I loved it. So this will be taking place on uh, the 19th of June uh, of 2014, obviously. Excellent. Well deserved. It's, um, if you haven't seen... It's uh, if you haven't seen it yet, it's called An Adventure in Space and Time, and really any Doctor Who fan, it's your obligation to um, make it your way to see this. It's um, you won't be disappointed. Yeah, very tough categories though. I mean, um, in the best movie, uh, Sherlock his uh, his last vow is in that group. Uh, in the best actor in a movie or miniseries. Uh, other people against David Bradley are uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Chuichel de... F- no, I can't pronounce Chuchel, it. Chuichel Ejifor. Yeah, Martin Freeman, Billy Bob Thornton, lots of people there, Mark Ruffalo. And in the Best Supporting uh, Actress, um, you know, Julia Roberts, Kathy Bates, you know, there's, uh, I mean, it's uh, very hard for... So to be nominated in this particular case may be... Um, all that they can expect, but absolutely uh, in stellar company. Well, also should be noted that this is a U.S. award. I, at first, I just assumed it was a British award, but this is actually voted by U.S. journalists. So I think it, you know, it's it's even you know, even more so that it's 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 getting some recognition here by U.S. journalists. You know, because um, as you as the competition, you know, you just read off there are all other like U.S. productions. So. International, well, except for, yeah. well, Sherlock um, obviously is, is not a U.S. production, but it's um, but uh, the other ones are. Indeed. And uh, just in case anybody wants to know it, uh, it is available on uh, Blu-ray in the U.S. Uh, and it's about 20 bucks on mm-hmm. Amazon. Um, I might actually pick that up because I do have a gift card that's burning a hole in my pocket. Apparently it's got, it's chock full of extras. They've got... Uh, um, an unearthly child has included it with it, um, mm-hmm. and there's uh, making of narrated by Caroline Ford, uh, feature it on William Hartnell, deleted scenes and reconstructions, and I don't know if anybody else has seen it, but it's, it's actually rather brilliant. It's a, a comedy sketch about the creation of Doctor Who uh, with um, Mark Geddes and uh, David Williams in it. Oh uh, yeah, it's probably uh, from the so. ni- from um, the 1999 Doctor Who night. I'm assuming it's it's yeah. that it's that segment. I, I bet. So, yeah. So I think I think we're going to have to give that because yeah I I enjoyed it I I know they take some liberties with it but you know they were going to you know you got to when you're trying to fit you know that kind of a story into a you know what was it, oh two yeah hour? yeah yeah when we reviewed it we we mentioned that too that there was some you know they they combined certain things and just to fit it into you know not every everyone got the credit maybe that they should have but you know that you could only have so many people in it, you know, and so. Right. Uh, and I think some of the criticism about it was also the fact that um, the actual real live events that they dramatized, the actual real life events were actually as dramatic, if not more dramatic than the way they portrayed it. But I think that would have perhaps needed uh, some explanation. And of course, there was an awful lot about it because it's um, it, it gave an insight into the, you know, the uh, the establishment, shall we say, of uh, 
the BBC at the time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, it was breakthrough to have, you know, young director, breakthrough to have uh, people uh, in these sort of roles and uh, some of the, um, even the, uh, the, the, some of the background about the William Hartnell himself, maybe some people thought that was a little bit harsh, but um, maybe in given the times that it was set in, those weren't unusual ways of um, behaving. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll move on to our next item. And if you don't mind, I'll take this one. Sure. I was, <laughs> for, I was hoping for obvious you would. reasons. All right. Uh, some good news. Um, that uh, for those of you who caught the uh, the five-ish Doctors reboot, uh, it's to receive a DVD outing, um, uh, the alternative 50th anniversary special for Doctor Who, the five-ish Doctors reboot. Apparently, uh, Colin Baker revealed at uh, the Doas convention, uh, MythMakers, that it would appear on a, on an un as yet unscheduled special set featuring former Doctor Matt Smith. So that's kind of interesting. That there's going to be a DVD featuring Matt Smith or set. Well, Matt Smith. actually, technically, it's probably as yet scheduled because it's if it's right now it's unscheduled, so it's it's it already is yeah. unscheduled. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm getting I'm nitpicking here. I'm getting in, I'm yeah. getting pedantic here. I, I'll shut up. <laughs> I, I'm reading out from Doctor Who. I know, I know, I know. It wasn't it wasn't for you. I'm, I, it wasn't aimed at you, Ian. I'm, I, I I oh I'm, I know. I apologize for listening. No, no, it's. It, I don't want people to think that I'm it, going after you like that. It, it's unscheduled dish. It's unscheduled dish. Yeah. No, it's great news. It's. I yeah. love this um, little thing that that Peter Davison put together, and I should say, you know, it, pretty much, you know, it's a it's a rundown of alumni of Doctor Who, and um, and at the time, this was, you know, this is uh, you know, along with the last story that we just commented on the. Adventures in, uh, in Time and Space, or Space and Time. This was part of the 50th anniversary um, of Doctor Who, but it wasn't released in any purchasable medium. You know, it wasn't available. I mean, it, you could watch it online, but it wasn't made available, uh, f at least to my understanding, uh, you know, to purchase via iTunes or the, the Amazon or the usual sus suspects. And it wasn't, there wasn't a DVD. It wasn't included in, as an extra see, either. Yeah. Be interesting to see what you know, what what set it's coming on, um, and and what else is going to be on there. Uh, because I, I do wonder actually, because there were a lot of different kinds of specials that were released around the same time. There was a couple, a couple of TV specials I think that uh, kind of tackled the 50th anniversary, and then I wonder if this kind of be like a 50th commemorative set which has got all of those specials and um i think there was a, a radio program at the same time and you know that's all i can think of that they would they you know of stuff that's not been released you know that maybe there's going to be a dvd with kind of a collection of all of those things that uh went on during the 50th well, <coughs> have the doctor the the doctors revisited come out here in the uk I mean, I know uh, the, there was uh, on BBC America, you know, when they did each of the Doctors. Right. I don't know whether that's come out here it's, in the UK, so, uh -huh. so it could be on that. Right. I, I know th those were available. I, I don't know about all of them, but I know a, sele 
uh, selection of those had been available via iTunes. I think some of the, I, I think it went back to uh, Paul McGann, but I don't think it went back any further than that as far as the 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 doctors revisited. If I'm not mistaken. Right, and uh, uh, of course the 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 guest list on the the Five-ish Doctors was unbelievable. In fact, the only two people that weren't on it uh, were Sean Pertwee and Oliver Coleman. But they were on it, of course. Yeah. <laughs> they were in it right at the beginning. But yeah. I mean, they were sitting there wondering why they hadn't been invited to be on it. It was an absolute <laughs> class. Oh, act it was, it was all the way. I smiled all the way through it. In um... especially the end. <laughs> <laughs> Nice appearance by Russell T. Davis. <laughs> and of course, Ian had a very big shock. He found out something he never knew about Captain Jack. Ah, yeah, we all found that. <laughs> it's very shocking. I should say John Barrowman, should I say? Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, it hit me straight between the eyes. <laughs> well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if there's not a documentary on it. I'm not saying that just because in the actual piece that you see them shooting a document, you know, you see them making the, the, they're doing a, they, they have a, they have cameras shooting them shooting, you know, and, oh, that's the making of camera crew. Yeah. <laughs> the making of the making of. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's good news. I'm looking forward to it. So yeah. it's still oh, unscheduled. So as more news comes, we'll report on, um, on it as it comes along. When it when it when it actually gets unscheduled, we'll let you know. Yes, because <laughs> it as yet it's unscheduled. <laughs> Dave, Dave, do you yeah, want to tackle? Along. Did you want to take a trip to Germany? Yeah, Fox, yeah, Fox Germany announces we we need uh, Graham, Graham Sheridan here yeah. here for this real. Yeah, um, Fox Germany announces Series Eight simulcast with BBC One. So Fox Germany have announced their intention to broadcast the next series of Doctor Who at the same time. I mean, this has been something that's been growing within the Doctor Who world. Uh, uh, we remember when we were getting, uh, you know, uh, around the Christmas events that, um, you know, in Canada and other countries, they were getting them either within hours or, or you know, virtually at the same time. Obviously, the different time zones with Australia and so on. But um, this has been something that's sort of being getting more and more common so this is must be an absolute boon to uh, people around the world so they because one of the things with things like twitter and that it's not a question of hours and days i mean you can be spoiled within minutes i mean the especially with all these things like vine and things like that where you, uh, the thought of uh, you know the the eighth series starting and then you'll go on twitter and there's uh, a picture of the 12th doctor in some sort of outfit that might be orange coloured, I don't know. And you think, good God, that's giving that away. But um, there you go. So um, episodes um, uh, making the first station in the world to present a series alongside uh, its traditional home. So um, uh, the managing director of Fox said... Oh, go on, read it in German. Go on. You really need Graham. <laughs> we, together with the BBC, are proud to write TV history and broadcast the cult TV show Dot Who for the first time as a global premiere in Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. In German and English, Dot Who fans are as passionate as the Walking Dead fans. Who are a, oh, I won't say that. 
uh, we are very happy to reduce the waiting time to zero. In other words, they won't be caught in a time loop. <laughs> they won't be caught in a time loop. It's not ah, as of yet unscheduled time loop. Time loop. <laughs> as yet unscheduled. <clears throat> uh, well, let me take the next one, if I may, because... Um, oh, okay. Uh, uh, well, sure. the, the reason is that... Um, uh, well, Anywho. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is he on this show? Is, is he coming on later, Ian? I think so. He's around here somewhere. I'll just I say it's. Before. I'll just say it's of a, of interest to uh, to Doctor Who fans, Bond fans, Bond fans that is, and uh, Twilight Zone fans all alike. Yes, right. it is. It's definitely of interest. <laughs> okay, Money Penny. Right. Um. Yeah, the, the reason is that um, I, I posted about this on uh, on our Facebook page uh, that um, this audio recording of um, the English version of uh, the play uh, Requiem for a Heavyweight um, has been found by the director. Um, it's um, it's uh, Al Ave Alvin Rakoff, who was uh, actually shortly to marry afterwards Jacqueline Hill. Um, uh, Barbara, of course, from Doctor Who. She became his wife. And um, th when they were actually uh, casting for this, uh, it was going to be uh, Jack Palance, I think, played the role. He later played it in an American adaption of this uh, Requiem for Heavyweight. But uh, when he couldn't make it, he decided that it, I think he had something else on. So he couldn't fly over to the UK to actually take the main part. And... Um, uh, Jacqueline Hill was the one that recommended Sean Connery. And uh, although it, it wasn't uh, telecast, as it were, um, the director did, uh, say, and he says here, to quote, I suddenly thought, maybe this is an important piece. And I spoke to the man in the sound booth and asked him to do a reel-to-reel -reel so that uh, we had an audio recording. And he was um, on this uh, interview recently and uh, that had jogged his memory that this recording had been up in his attic for oh 30 40 years so it's just come to light and um the the main announcement was that you know an, a, an early sean connery drama had surfaced but of course it's uh, doctor who news now because uh jacqueline hill is also in uh, in this uh uh performance so um it's great. Uh, Jacqueline Hill played Grace Carney in the UK version, which was directed by uh, uh, a Alvin Rakoff, who would marry Hill the following year. Uh, he said it was his future wife who convinced him to cast uh, Connery in the Palance role when it was clear the actor couldn't travel to the UK for the British version of the play. And um, I think on the BBC site, certainly, there's a little short clip you can hear of uh, a very young Sean Connery. I wonder if the whole thing will be available at, at some time through, um, you know, BBC Radio, or um, maybe, um, you know, their, their DVD um, series, the uh, BBC Radio, um, BBC uh, DVD series. Uh, and not, and not that it's a DVD. I mean, CD audio. It's certainly possible. I know certainly BBC at the moment, they're really opening up their archives of um, uh, on the TV. I mean, uh, BBC Four at the moment are doing um, 
uh, a whole series of uh, old talk programs. In fact, they had one with Jack Palance a while ago, and they've they've had lots of different awesome wells and so on, and they've uh, they've really been digging out old content uh, and. This has been something that there has been a definite, not just to save money and sort of like, can we fill, you know, the the this supposedly get axing BBC Three, and you think, well, is this a money-saving project with, um, you know, um, four? And it's not. Uh, they just have such a rich uh, treasure chest of uh, brilliant chat shows and uh, interviews mm -hmm. uh, going all the way back that um, they're they're making them more available. And uh, so the, this is um, something that's not yet on that, but it, it is great that these things, I mean, you know, people had already given up about finding new Doctor Who episodes and only recently on this great podcast, Podshock, we've covered two of the recently discovered uh, Patrick Troughton stories. Sure. So, I mean, these discoveries are still made and uh, this is a case in point, not Doctor Who, but it does have, uh, as we said, um, Jacqueline Hill within it. Yes. Who played Barbara. And, and in other news, um, actress Barbara Murray, not related at all, I'm, <laughs> appeared in Doctor Who in Black Orchid. And um, this is a fifth Doctor, Peter Davison story. Um, sad news is that um, she has just recently passed away at age 84, the Black Orchid story dates back to 1982 and where she played uh, Lady uh, Cranley. And um, she's um, she died this, um, well, it's about a couple weeks ago from the time that we're recording this on the 20th of May. As I said, she was 84 and um, um, she's um, survived uh, by um, three daughters from her first marriage and um, an actor, John Justin. So uh, um, I'm not sure... She obviously she's played in other parts and all that, but I'm not sure if any of these would be recognizable to um, to our listeners. She's uh, she appeared with yeah. Peter O'Toole in the, um, the pig pig Pygmalion. Yes, Pygmalion. And opposite John Mills and Little White Lies. Those were um, West End appearances. I, I'm assuming those were were um, stage shows. Mm. Yep. Yeah, it's the unfortunate thing we keep losing these these members of our family, as it were. You know. Yeah, I, I mean, um, uh, looking in this uh, two magazine that I've got um, uh, in the obituary section here, they've got some couple that I hadn't uh, a, a, a passed without me knowing it. Uh, uh, Basil Chung, who was uh, Aliens of London's. Uh, Bao Chan, died on the 21st of January. Uh, Brenda Kempler, who played Ghost Lights, Mrs. Gross, died recently. Rosamund Hartley, an extra in The King's Demons and Silver Nemesis, died on the 26th of March, age 90. Uh, and Ken Gibson, who, um, who doubled for Jamie in The Wheel in Space. That very famous episode, of course. Mm. Very famous episode with the TARDIS console. Um, <laughs> famous uh, um, in particular for you get out of his head yeah, yeah died on the 26th of um, February age 77 um, and uh, belatedly we report the death it says of Sheila Fay, who played the time warriors Meg uh, 
she died on the 31st of August 2013, aged 87. Um, so, I mean, it's it's not unsaid, it's always sad, but I mean, 50 years and uh, of actors, you know, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. some of the actors that have been on Who were, were born, you know, at the turn of the, the last century in the 1900s, 1910s. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't Ian, but they were. Well, you're timeless, Dave. Is that what you call them? Timeless. <clears throat> Old timer, I call them. Oh! Caught in a time loop. I'm caught in a time loop. <laughs> explains why he's so old. <laughs> uh, um, maybe uh, that sort of leads us on in a way that little quotes I get from the magazine. Um, uh, there's a really big bumper issue of the Doctor Who magazine out at the moment. Just come out here in the UK. It should be available in the States now. Uh, and it's uh, magazine 474. Now, uh, we've talked about here on Podshock and, and many other podcasts talked about uh, in 2009 of their mighty 200 lists of the you know most favoured uh, Doctor Who episodes from the classic series and the new. Well, they've got an updated version here, the first five decades as voted by you. So they've taken that 200 episodes and uh, with the voting that's gone on, uh, that's increased with another 41 new entries. Uh, creating a list now that uh, reads somewhat differently with w- quite a few episodes moving up the charts, some moving down, and um, there's an awful lot in there. They've divided it into the five decades and, and picked the top 20 in each decade, and then they've got an overall list. So although not necessarily a news item, um, I mean, I bought the magazine, and it's a thoroughly good read very interesting there's an awful lot more in the magazine than just this list and um i don't know whether you want to lewis take a little bit of time before we get to the main part of our podcast just uh mentioning a little bit about uh things that you've noticed yeah i'll read all 241 so number one no <laughs> without taking a breath and i wish go. i could um I, actually, I'm, I'm fighting. I don't know if it's allergies or whatever, but just so our listeners know, if, if I sound a little off or um, out of breath, I'm, I, I, I don't know. I'm hoping it's just allergies or whatever, but I'm, I have a, a little Ian, horse. Ian, stand down wind again. A little stand horse. Again. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was standing up. <laughs> well, what's interesting is that um, this is a, a, a poll and, I, I, you know, it's, um, it, it's, it's obviously, I'm assuming it's readers of Doctor Who Monthly, and or, or was it DWM now? It's just called whatever. It, I, every yeah. time I say Doctor Who Monthly, it shows my age because that's how I still refer to it as. And um, and I believe that has um, you know, in the in the magazine itself, it breaks down a little bit more on on the demographics at all of it all. But it's um, it's interesting. Um, the list as it stands. Um, some of the choices where they fall on the list and. Uh, just to because I know everyone's probably curious on what's the number one. So that's the day of the doctor, which is new on the list, obviously, since it just came out, um, you know, uh, last November. So it's I'm, I'm assuming that this is a annual list that this uh, is published around June. So it probably didn't make it, you know, obviously in time for last year's list. 
which um and then number two is blink i'll just do the t- i'll do the top yeah. five I think, I think I think it's actually five years since they've done such a Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if they did it annually or not. I, I, unfortunately, I can't afford to get the magazine anymore. I used to read it religiously, you know, back in the day, but um, uh, unfortunately, the situation's not that. Um, it, it is, you know, can't really do that now. But um, just just to read off the top five. So we got Day of the Do- Day of the Doctor. Blink is number two. Genesis of the Daleks. Number three, four is the Caves of Androzani, and five is City of Death. And um, and it might be worth putting in context what they what they came in two thousand and nine. Uh, Blink is number two this time. Was number two last time? Uh, Genesis of the Daleks was three last time. Three this time. Uh, uh, Caves of Androzani is now ranked at four, but that was famously number one in two thousand and nine. And uh, uh, City of Death has risen, risen up from eight to five. Yeah, there, there's some little oddities in it, you know, where, you know, they, they have the Web of Fear in the list, at, I think, number 16. But I would, I, you know, I mean, I, it's all subjective. I, I, I don't, you know, I think maybe that's only because it was just recently recovered. I, I would have put um, um, the Enemy of the World before, you know, higher than, than the Web of Fear myself, you know, and... Um, I would have put Twin Dilemma at the top. Well, it's interesting. Twin Dilemma, <laughs> Twin Dilemma is um, is last on the list, which that story always gets the short straw, and probably unjustly mm-hmm. so because there's, I you know, they're, they're, they're just to, let's since I read off the top five, I'll read off the bottom five as well according to this list. So um, last place um, at two forty one is uh, Twin Dilemma. Two forty um, is Fear Her. 239 is Time in the Rani. Um, 238 is Time Lash. 237 is uh, Time Flight. And I think that's five there. So if time is in the title, it's most likely going to wind up at the bottom of the list, it's, it appears. I, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I, you know, obviously, I, I, well, maybe it's not obvious, but I, I would put, you know, Fear Her below Twin Dilemma. I would put. Um, time of the round even before um, below Twindle uh, I'll just pick out three uh, because they're they're sort of what seem to me fairly big movers. And of course, if you don't want to know all this, you, you will have uh, hopefully tuned out of this section. But um, uh, for instance, um, the girl in the fireplace that was rated eleven has dropped down to twenty nine. Um, the um, where has it gone now? Yeah, turn left, which was twelfth before has dropped down to 39 and one more uh number 13 where it's gone it's 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 moved somebody's moved it as i've been talking there it is uh, stolen earth journey's end was 13 dropped down to 35 so uh, on a cursory look turn left um girl in the fireplace and the stolen earth journey's end uh, have dropped quite substantially in the, in that list Hmm. Ian, do you want to pick out anything that just catches your eye without us going through everything? Um, I, I'm just, I, I guess I'm just kind of surprised at the number one. That's 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 my big kind of like, really? I mean, the it was good. Um, but I suppose, you know, there's more new new Who fans out there now than you know uh, than there was back when the Mighty Two Hundred was done and. 
Blink deservedly is is I think at number two. I think it it's still brilliant episode. Back when the the uh, the Weeping Angels were were dead scary, now they're kind of not so much. Um, it's, it's it's kind of hard looking at the middle of the list because the middle of the list is the middle of the list. I always find it hard quibbling over. Oh, should that really be number ninety six? <laughs> well, let, let let me pick you up on one then. What about War Games? That's moved up from twenty nine to twelve. Now it's I'm really surprised weird. because it's very very long and drawn out story and. I, I I I do have to watch it again now that I'm older and have more patience, I guess. Uh, but at the time, it was always a difficult, you know, difficult story to get through because it's so darn long. Um, so I'm kind of surprised that it's in the position it's in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anything. I'm like, really? That's that high. Um, uh, Lodger. I still don't think that's a good episode. <laughs> it's at ninety. Yeah. I'm surprised. The other one I, I, I'd pick out is I'm surprised that Midnight is quite low. It was well, it's forty three. It's still forty four. Thought Midnight might have sort of gained more, more um, kudos uh, recently because uh, especially from the people who are sort of missing David Tennant uh, right. and. Um, you know the the performance, that the sheer acting in that was exemplary to my mind. It's good to say. I mean, just looking at the entire list, though, it's good to see that the you know like the top twenty is is a mix of of everything. Um, you know, it, it, it's nice to see that it's not all occupied by you know new series. Uh, we've got a nice kind of mix of of, of all sorts. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got Robots of Death at uh, at eleven and. And, and the war games, but then you got you know, Bad Wolf Party in the Ways, you know, coming out number thirteen. It's like it's 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 good, you know, it's good to see that the 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 entire series is still is still loved, and it's not just oh we only like the new series, you know, we're not just you know, the old timey fans are still out there, and plus a lot of the new fans are uh, are embracing, and I think. I think one of the things, and we kind of mentioned this on on this other podcast, we happen to be making an appearance on called Collective, um, that uh, uh, Web of Fear and and um, Enemy of the World, I think, probably have something to do with you know popularizing um, you know some classic Who episodes and as, and it worked mm-hmm. as a, a way of getting people in because you know you get caught up in it. Uh, it's the, yeah, the coattails the that rides, like, oh, nobody, it rides on the coattails. Nobody's, nobody's seen this in forever? Mm-hmm. I have to watch it. If, if nobody's seen it, then, you know, I can't be swayed one way or the other as to whether it's good, bad, or otherwise. And, you know, the immediate release onto iTunes, I think, really kind of helped elevate those two episodes. And, you know, it capitalized on, on, on the internet, really. You know, the news was on the internet going everywhere. The rumors were everywhere on the internet. And here the you know we found the episodes, have them now. Right. There's one. There's one last one I want to mention because Mm -hmm. I didn't actually like this episode, but I am surprised how low it is. And I think you'll be devastated, Ian, that um, uh, the Rings of Akatan comes in at two three three right at the bottom. I'm glad you mentioned it because I think that's a bloody good episode. Yeah, I I know. Yeah, I really liked it. I I actually agree with the reading. I don't like it, but yeah. (laughs) 
I'm sorry. Well, I, could... know, I wouldn't have put it that. I wouldn't have put it that low, Lewis. I mean, I didn't like the the non-sciency element of it. Oh, I would uh, actually emotionally. Ian, put your fingers in your ears. I I would actually put it lower. I mean, I I, I think a lot of the well, those episodes it's below much lower it, to go. I, I a lot of those episodes <laughs> that listed below it, I would put above it. I would, you know, um, mm. I, that's me. Space well, Museum. Oh, Space Museum's right above it. But um, Dominators, the Space Pirates, uh, Underworld, Time Flight, uh, all of that I would put above it. But that's defend it, Ian. I'm sorry. Well, it's it's it, for me. I mean, for being a, a Moffat episode, um, and the introduction of a companion. It's a, I mean, yes, we kind of had an introduction of the companion already, but this is our first kind of official outing as companion traveling in the TARDIS. Um, uh, Susan gets a mention. I do know, enjoy the, the first the... fifteen minutes of it. I I do enjoy. Yeah, I just. I don't know. I, I, it's a nice little adventure. You know, it's it's quite self-contained. There's no, you know, there's no time loops. <clears throat> it, I don't know. There's just something about that story I like. It's nice and self-contained. Yeah, there's a small problem with the leaf, but you know, hey. <laughs> but my issue wasn't with the leaf. My was the thing was when the doctor gives that great speech, very emotive speech, and it's extremely well acted by. Uh, Mark, uh, Matt Smith, uh, you know, take it, take it all. But right. it, it takes it, but he doesn't lose it, if you know what I mean. It's magically. He should have finished that episode being basically carried back to the TARDIS by uh, Clara because he's, he, you know, he's almost without his memory. Right. And they're singing across the vacuum of space and um, they're in a little yeah. scooter and I don't know. Come on, it's Doctor Who. Yeah, well, it's been about the science, but I must admit, it, it, unless, it unless it's been a, <laughs> it is contentious that it's it's that far down. I, mm. I mean, there there are people that will say, aren't they, that um, any any new series of Doctor Who, by definition, needs to be higher rated than classic, on the basis of the the series has come so far. I wouldn't go that far in my argument, but you can argue that. The, some of the weakest of the new ones are still better than ninety percent of the classic. If you're doing it on a, you know, a side by side viewing, if you put, if you do what Lewis does, which is put his mindset back to the sixties, seventies, and eighties, then they do stand up. But in in sheer production qualities, this that, and the other, uh, there's a league of difference. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Where's, well, where's the Pandorica opens and, and, and Big Bang or whatever it is? Well, I, I just want to make I'm a mention that. that the story that we're reviewing today is The Claws of Axos and that rate that rakes, rates, I'm sorry, at 139, which is a drop down 10 from last time, which was 129. So that's sort of in the middle. Toward, it's, it's towards the end of the middle. Indeed, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Pandora opens and all that. I just find that to be complete and utter tosh. And it should be, it should be <laughs> the last episode. It should be the, the bottom of the list. I have no time for that. Yeah, they put Love and Monsters at 220. Well, and that's being very generous. I like Love and Monsters. Okay. Because I see it for, I kind of see it for, well, what I think it is. 
And it's a kind of love note from fans to the doctor and you know that. But anyway. <laughs> we could we could stop on this on this all day. Well that's about it for this episode. Thanks, Ian and, and Dave, and we'll yeah. be back next time. <laughs> Somebody should really do a, a, a lengthy podcast devoted to going through this list. Yeah, yeah I think something that any cult following would be interested in, even a, yeah. a collective. Sometime of, on a Sunday of, when everybody has plenty of time, you know. And if two it was live, two o'clock sounds good to me. If it was live, it would be even more. Yeah. yeah, it would be great. Fantastic. Of course, it'll never happen, Ian. I mean, this no. episode will never get out that fast. Yeah, that's the no. trouble. Because <laughs> we're stuck in a time Alrighty loop. Alrighty then. Because we're stuck in a time loop. <laughs> Because we're time stuck loop. in a time loop. Because we're stuck in a time loop. <laughs> well, let me break us out of the time loop by uh, going on to our next news piece. Actually, um, if you've grabbed a copy of, uh, of uh, Doctor Who magazine, which I hope you have, uh, and you're fairly new to Doctor Who and wondering what all these episodes are, then there's good news, uh, especially for those of us in, in, uh, in North America. Uh, Retro TV has signed a deal with BBC Worldwide uh, North America to uh, to to bring uh, classic Doctor Who to its uh, programming lineup. Um, basically, I think they've got what is it, approximately uh, four to five hundred. Well, they have uh, uh, William Hartnell no, through Sylvester McCoy. Was it one hundred ninety or something? Yeah, I'd seen them tweet something. Uh, 190, 196, I think. Right. Um, Retro TV will be showcasing the series classic run featuring the first uh, seven incarnations of the Doctor. Uh, Matthew Golden, uh, uh, Vice President of Production, said, uh, we couldn't be more excited to make uh, legendary classic episodes of Doctor Who available nationwide. The series is an institution and we're proud to give fans new and old the opportunity to experience this groundbreaking series from the very beginning which says something there that they're intending on starting at the beginning so uh good place to start uh doctor who will make its retro tv debut this summer uh retro tv um has a presence on um of course uh all the social medias uh twitter is where i kind of saw the news break and and uh I think it got a good reaction from fans. Uh, a lot of fans were, were were chiming in and saying, "You know, thank you. This is great. You know, what are you going to be showing?" So the fan interest is is really good for for things like this to be, you know, a continuous thing, um, rather than them signing up and saying, "Oh yeah, we'll we'll show these," but then nobody watches, and then, um, you know, then they say, "Well, nobody watched, so we we stopped it." Actually, um, just under five hundred episodes they're going to be showing. No, didn't I say? Didn't yes. I say that? Mm-hmm. Did I not say about four or five? Yeah, but I was too busy saying 195 at the time. <laughs> I know you were. You were too busy trying to argue with me, and it just didn't work. <laughs> it's it's that twin dilemma again. <laughs> there you go. Well, retro TV is a. I don't get it myself, but um, I mean, I don't receive the channel. But to my understanding, from the name, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming it's similar to. Uh, other channels of the same genre, like Antenna TV and Cozy TV, that they they show a lot of uh, cla- oh Me TV, I think is another one. They show a lot of uh, classic television shows, you know, shows that have uh, previously run their course, if you will. Another uh, Doctor Who is an exception that it's still on, 
but this is they're showing classic Doctor Who, you know, quote unquote classic, you know, the classic Doctors. So it's not available in there. I checked that if you go to their website, there's a map of their broadcast area. So unfortunately, I'm in between. Um, they they have a uh, station in connect in Connecticut and New Jersey, and I'm smack in between the two um, without you know being within the circle of either one. Uh, yeah, the only Key West is, is about the or somewhere up in the Panhandle. Um, yeah, I think uh, around Tallahassee uh, for me. So, oh well, I mean I've got you know a fair collection myself anyway. Yeah. But this is good news for for you know. Um, That's great news for for people who. Who want to catch up and, and and see these you know episodes that they may never have seen before you know um, it's quite an investment to you know to go back and, and try and you know watch all of these you know old episodes. Uh, so, well, it goes to yeah, discoverability. Well, it's, uh, it's you know people that may not be willing to pay to download something or stream something or purchase the DVD. They if it's on and they get the channel, they may oh they might just be curious and watch it. It's not costing them anything. You know, um, I mean, maybe part of that cable package, but they don't perceive it as costing them anything. And, um, you know, give it a try. They may enjoy some of these uh, classic serials. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I mean I'm mean, i sure most people listening and we ourselves uh, visit lots of Doc2 forums and other forums. I mean, one of the forums here in the UK, Dig Digital Spy, which is all about TV, and they have sections on, you know, UK programming and American programming. They're up in arms about this, not not the fact that retro TV is showing them, but why is the BBC not? I mean, I'm assuming because it's licensing it out for DVD sales and so on. Uh, but um, I mean, why it's, it's not on very BBC America? Classic. Well, well, yeah. I mean, the 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 only place, that, and we've talked about it before on the on this podcast that um, you know um, the horror channel uh, has been. Mm -hmm. um, uh, running and is still running. Uh, they've picked particular episodes that they feel fits more closely with the uh, classic uh, horror genre, but um, you know, so they're not showing uh, the complete back ca back catalogue. But basically, in the UK, that's about the only channel that you can get classic dot two on at the moment. Right. Well, yeah, it is a bit. Yeah, a bit of a <laughs> we. It's our show, and we can't even watch it. Yeah. And I'm going to pause for a drink. <laughs> All right. That's why. Uh, it's all you yours. Know, I, while I have this drink, I'd I'd love to hear about um, some audio books. Are there any audio books about Lewis? Well, we'll be back briefly. We're going to go. We're going to take a break, and we'll talk about some audio books, and then we will be back with our review right after this. Hello, this is Katie Manning, and you're listening to Doctor Who Podshock, or as I read it, Pooshock. <laughs> Hey, this is Louis Trapani, and before we go into our Audible selection, as Dave had just suggested before, uh, I just want to apologize for this episode being so late. It's um, 
Well, I don't know. It's just I sometimes I, I really think I should have been named Murphy because uh, Murphy's Law is always applies. It just seems to be the case with me. Um, I actually when I was recording this, I didn't really know it at the time, but I was sick. I was I, I had a fever after I finished recording this. I took my temperature and I, I was running a fever and um, and I, I was sick after uh, this to the point where. I, I couldn't talk. I mean, I was able to talk, but only briefly before I ran out of breath. So, um, um, you know, anyway, so I, I had that to deal with. Uh, I, I was also selected. I was summoned for jury duty. So I, I was dealing with that. My car broke down. I had to rent a car to do jury duty for a few days. Uh, jur- the, the, the trial went on longer than I ever expected. Uh, so that, that um you know, kept me busy there. And um, we have a, an environment, environmental inspection that was done um, post-Sandy with the work that was done here. Uh, long story short is that they didn't test where the work was done, and they tested another floor. And um, so it, we had problems with the test there, and that needs to be addressed. And But meanwhile, I had environmental inspections done last year um, while the work was being done, and and it passed. So... <laughs> but that was done in the area, so uh, where where the work was being done, um, it's a lot of um, I don't I, I, they say it's the same structure yada yada, but you know it's anyway. So things have been a bit crazy here. There's even more stuff going on, but I didn't feel like making this any longer than it needs to be. But I just wanted to do a quick apology, and um, hopefully we'll get back on a regular schedule again. Um, it's just. Um, it's just been rough, you know, as far as uh, time goes, you know, there, there, there's still, um, even though I'm mostly um, settled back in after rebuilding after Superstorm Sandy, there's still, I, half my stuff is still in boxes and, um, you know, so I'm, um, th- there's other work that still needs to be done that's, um, you know, that's going to take some of my time away from what I could be doing with the podcast. So yeah, so anyway, uh, again, apologies for this episode being late, and um, um, hopefully um, it, it it's won't be too, it won't happen too often, but I can't say it won't happen ever again, but it's just, um, if I could clone myself, <laughs> be like a, you know, a, um, a Sotaran, and, uh, you know, make myself multiple clones, and it would be easier, but um, basically I'm, I'm juggling a bunch of stuff, um, uh, my my sister just moved back in after a year and was it over a year and a half after Sandy and she just last was it last weekend she moved back into her house and um, you know and I, I helped her a little bit uh, to to whatever small degree I could I was sick at the time so um, but whatever yeah so crazy stuff it's just um, crazy stuff so. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, most, of, most hopefully, I'm hoping most of the craziness is behind me now, and we can start moving forward again. But I did want to apologize. Uh, I didn't even have a chance to send out a, a, like a mini, you know, a TARDIS, um, an aftershock episode, you know, a Podshock aftershock episode, just to let everyone know what was going on. Uh, but anyway, that's that's the situation here, and let's um, let's go into our Audible selection for this week and as always uh well <laughs> for this month <laughs> uh for this week for the for this series of weeks that since our last podcast 
And uh, what we try to do is uh, make a selection that's somewhat relating to the episode that we're doing now. So I, as far as reviewing now, if we're reviewing an episode, make it relevant to that. And this selection has nothing to do with because uh, we're reviewing the Claws of Axos in this episode. So uh, but this selection is Doctor Who Pest Control. And that's because, um, uh, well, it, it relates to another matter, but it, 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 there's lots of things going on. So, uh, yes, so it's an, it's an exclusive audio adventure read by David Tennant, and it's written by uh, Peter um, Ang, Anghali, Ang, ooh, um, Angie, Angie Leeds. I'm sure I'm messing up his last name. I'm, I do apologize. Um, Angie Leeds. I, if... Uh, Again, I apologize for that. Uh, this is um, the Doctor. This is an adventure with the Doctor and Donna, and they face they face these insects and ruthless robot exterminator. It's an exclu- exclusive audio adventure that was made that was created exclusively for audio, um, you know, BBC audio. So this is a, a little sample of this. Uh, well, before I give you a sample, let me remind you that Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from in all different genres. Thrillers, science fiction, business, romance, comedy, and so much more. And their titles, Audible titles, will play on your iPhone, Kindle, Android, for more, well, I'm sure now even the, the Fire the Fire phone, the, the Amazon Fire phone, I'm, I'm sure, uh, <laughs> over 500 devices, over 500 device, devices for your listening anytime and anywhere. For you listeners of Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free um, 30-day trial so you can check out their service. And if you decide, well, it's not for me, fine, that's just cancel and you keep your free audiobook. It's yours to keep. No strings attached. To download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podshock. And as promised, here's a little sample of Doctor Who Pest Control. The thin man nodded and snorted an odd little laugh down his nose. Pleased to meet you, Medic Harrison. My name's Nash. I'm an embedded journalist with his platoon. He extended his spindly arm for a handshake that Harrison did not accept. I guess that, Nash, said Harrison. I don't know what told me. Probably watching your futile attempt to keep your nice civilian uniform clean. Or maybe just what General Brudge told me about you. Harrison enjoyed using the General's name like a club to beat people into submission. Unlike one of the soldiers, though, Nash didn't flinch when he heard it. Harrison hated everything about the journalist. His inquisitiveness, his stupid laugh, his thin moustache, his dreary nasal voice. Harrison tried another approach. Help unload the supplies from the truck, he snapped. Fresh weapons? Nash asked him. Harrison snorted. For all the good they'll do us against those Aquabi devils. I want the medical supplies. Dr. Lenova has dispatched booster immunizations from the Van Nuys Hospital. A hundred metres away, another huge supply truck heaved its way across the lumpy morass. Harrison could hear a strange new sound behind the vehicle noise, a clattering, grating sound like a much more powerful engine. It stopped with a thump, 
and all Harrison could hear now was the main engine chattering to a halt as the truck parked. He watched Nash pick his way prissily across the churned mud. The journalist looked like a khaki flamingo attempting to step on high, dry mounds of earth as he made his way to the rear flaps of the first truck. Hurry up! Signals say that the enemy bombardment is imminent! Harrison yelled at him. And don't expect help from me then, he muttered to himself. When the Aquabi attack, any civilian in this area is as good as dead. In the rear of the second truck, meanwhile, the door of a tall blue box opened. Donna Noble stepped out of the TARDIS and sniffed the air suspiciously. She and her friend the Doctor were the two newest civilians to arrive on the battleground of Recension. And that was Doctor Who Pest Control. That could be your free audiobook selection. It doesn't have to be. You could choose whatever you like. It doesn't even have to be Doctor Who. You could choose anything. It doesn't even have to be science fiction. Whatever. They have thousands of titles to choose from. Hundreds of thousands of titles to choose from. So uh, check it out. Again, to download your free audiobook, simply go to Audible Trial. One word, audibletrial.com slash podchock. Again, that's Audible Trial. Dot com slash podchock for your free audiobook. And if you're driving, you can't go to that URL at the time, you can't remember it, simply go to podchock.net. You'll find links to it there as well. There's your enemy. Our worlds are uncountable light years away on the far rim of the galaxy. Our planetary system has been crippled by extreme solar flare activity. Axos is all that remains of our culture. As you can see, our science, unlike yours, has taken an organic path. This ship was not built for our journey. It was grown, grown from a single cell, and now its nutrient is all but exhausted. We would like to stay. Until our nutrition and energy cycles have been fully replenished. In return, according to your custom, we offer a gift. A payment. Axonite. Bill? Bill, where are you? Axonite is the source of all our growth technology. Axonite can absorb, convert, transmit, and program all forms of energy. Even radiation? Why then were you crippled by solar flare? It was already too late. Perhaps you could explain just what it is, what it does. I report, you understand. Axonite is, shall we say, the chameleon of the elements. It is a thinking molecule. It uses the energy it absorbs not only to copy, but to recreate and restructure any given substance. And yet you still run out of fuel. And the principle, the principle of Axonite? It would be simpler for me to demonstrate Axonite. What's your name? Filer. Bill Filer, who are you? What do you want? I'm your fellow captive, Filer. I am the master. <laughs> Great uh, audio cue there. So uh, if you haven't guessed it, we are reviewing The Claws of Axos. And um, as always, before we begin... Spoilers. Spoilers. Again. Spoilers. 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 
All right, so if you haven't seen The Claws of Axos, it's a, you know, back in Spoilers. 1971 or on a DVD or time stream, uh, video stream, whatever, uh, you might want to hold off on this review until you have, because um, we're not going to hold back. This is a John Pertwee story. As I said, this is uh, dates back to uh, March through April 1971. It's uh, written by Bob Baker and Dave Barton, who, if I'm not mistaken, are the pair that are responsible for giving us uh, K-9 and other stories. And this is uh, during uh, Barry Letts' uh, reign as producer. Script editor was Taryn Sticks. And the little music cue you heard there was um, um, was by Dudley Simpson, which um, they were using. This is one of the early episodes that were using electronic music. Oh, it's directed by Michael yeah, Ferguson. Um, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to leave him out. No. No, I was just going to say, um, just <laughs> I, I know all these production codes off by heart now, don't I? Yes, you do. There's this GGG. Uh, Got on your GG. Uh, season 8. GG Italy, uh, did you say? Oh, yeah. Four episodes, 25 minutes each, the 13th of March to the 3rd of April. As you said, 1971. Great year, 1971. Uh, yeah. 72 was better. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, 76 was best, but there we go. Um, yeah, uh, and quite uh, good numbers. Uh, 7.3 million, 8 million dropped off for episode 3 to 6.4 and rallied to episode 4 for 7.8 million. And um, you heard uh, in that clip there that the master is here again, which would have been no surprise at the time because the previous story to this, Mind of Evil, spoiler, had the master in it. The the series uh, story that followed after this, Colony in the Space, spoiler, had the master in it. Um, It was either the Daleks and the master about five years. Yeah. Well, the master yeah. was on a um, almost it was a regular, you know, back back then. Unfortunately, <laughs> you know, before Roger Delgado, unfortunately, um, was in a car accident and that that um, came to an end. But it was sort of the morality of the doctor's uh, Sherlock, you know, and he was um, he was pretty much I don't want to say in every story, but, you know, he, he made regular appearances. Yeah, unbelievable, and it is absolutely fantastic in this. But uh, he's I'll the definitive the master, as as far as I'm concerned. You know, concerned, you know, he's always been my favorite. Even though he's not, you know, they always say. Some people say I don't. They, they, we always say they always say, but it's not. Some people say that you know your your favorite doctor is your first doctor, or your favorite master is your first master, or whatever. But that's not always the case. I, you know, I my my first doctor was Tom Baker, um, and that was um. Well, not counting the, the 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 master that's you know the flesh ridden masters, uh, the Anthony Anley was the 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 first humanoid master that I was familiar with. Which uh, not to Absolutely. take anything away yeah, from I Anthony think... Anley, I, but I just Roger Delgado really I thought captured the role. Absolutely, I mean uh, I don't like. Uh... I don't like the way that they've taken the master into. I mean, I love John Sim as a, mm-hmm. a an actor, but but I didn't like the fact that they played him crazy. Uh, to me, cold scheming is the is the Moriarty, uh, yeah. you know, the Sherlock's I mean, Moriarty to mm. to the Doctor. Um, Mind you, they made him crazy as well. 
<laughs> was yeah. I said. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. 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 Uh, some other regulars, of course, Katie Manning plays Joe Grant, the doctor's companion. Nicholas Courtney is back as the brigadier, Lethbridge Stewart. Richard Franklin um, plays uh, Captain Mike Yates. And John Levine, Sergeant Benton. Yeah, and there's there's some great guest stars in it as well. We have uh, Tim Piggott Smith playing Captain Harker, and um, many of you perhaps remember him more from uh, the Massacre of Mandragora. Uh, that was one of the episodes that you'll remember him from. And um, the um, one of the other very well-known British actors in here is um, uh, playing Sir George, and that is um, Donald Hewitt. Um, uh, and he's been an awful lot. Ian will know him from uh, some of the comedies like It Ain't Half Hot Mum and You Rang the Lord and and so on. Um, uh, he, he, he's an awful, um, really a great actor. Born in Manchester, Lancashire, of course, where I came. <laughs> hey, what, 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 what? Um, um, yeah, he's been in all sorts of things, but um, he plays a great role. I mean, there's some really good acting in this. Um, uh, I, I'm particularly, before you get onto the story itself, I particularly thought that Katie Manning was in brilliant form in this. Um, and of course, uh, uh, um, the third Dr. John Pertwee is absolutely fantastic. What I do like about it is the, the, the very serious approach that they take to it, because uh, the, the actual, this is definitely a 70s episode, and I think you alluded to that with your little intro right at the beginning, where we had a little bit of uh, psychedelic, uh, you know, magical mystery tour music come in here. Um, the way in which this, um, and again, this predates an awful lot of science fiction where the actual, what appears to be a spaceship as a living creature, right. um, you know, this is, this is pretty uh, modern stuff of the time. In fact, mm -hmm. it goes further than that because as the story progresses, and we've said spoilers, uh, it's not just the fact that the, you know, they're living creatures on a living spaceship, but they're actually all the same thing. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's all one um, biomechanism or whatever you want to call it, bio, biological thing. Uh, but I like it. But of course, it's also very old because it's basically, you know, Beware Greeks bearing gifts, isn't it? I mean, that's the, the story mm -hmm. in summation. Uh, you know, they offer, they ask for help, they want energy, and in return they're going to give this marvellous, uh, you know, material that can be transformed into anything it can do, this, that and the other. But it is a sort of a Trojan horse, isn't it? Yeah, they, in, in fact, right. um, they, it was, uh, the original titles for it gave, um, they thought they gave too much away, so hence it was, it was changed. It was originally called Doctor Who and the Gift, uh, then the Friendly Invasion, uh, the ex, the ex, the Axons, and um, up until the very point of shooting, the, it was going to be called uh, the Vamp, the Vampire from Space. And they, just the, yeah, they, oh. they had. Oh, I thought it was just the Gift. Right. Okay. They um, well, they they had a title sequence that was actually made with the Vampire from Space in it. So it's interesting seeing the it's on the DVD extras the the um, deleted scene of the the title sequence that says vampire from space. So I, from what I understand that I forget who, maybe it was Barry Letts or someone had a problem with vampire, which I'm kind of glad they did because it doesn't really work. <laughs> he had a bigger problem. 
There was going to be a giant carrot in it. <laughs> that would have been even a bigger problem. And it was uh, originally six parters, and it was, um, you know, changed and um, brought down to four parts. Yeah, the original story called The Gift was written by for Patrick Troughton's doctor. For Patrick Troughton's doctor. It involved an alien invasion in London's Hyde Park, a giant skull for a spaceship, Battersea Power Station, and a cliffhanger featuring a giant carrot. <laughs> not a very not a, head a very name promising start. Huh? <laughs> not a very promising start. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was hinted at that this was the time when, in actual fact, the the it, it's amazing how news and real world events happen. It the very person who introduced LSD has just died, aged eighty eight, and. Um, I think there was some reference here that um, not necessarily anybody involved in Doctor Who uh, had partaken, um, but they seem to say that um, the the, uh, the the way that some of the scenes had been realised um, evoked um, that period of, um, shall we say, experimentation. I'll leave it at that. Mm. Well, as as we've been saying, this is... Um I mean, the, the, we have an organic spaceship which actually precedes the Zygons because later on, you know, the Zygons will have a um, will, will once again in Doctor Who introduce that that um, concept of a like a organic spaceship. And but here, this is um, years before that, and it worked very well. You know, it's a uh, gave a um, a different look. You know, um, I always say you have to put yourself in the time that it was made, and you know, in some of the effects and the um, the stage um, elements and props and all that may may not work as well watching it today, but you have to put yourself in um, in the in the viewpoint of back in that era. You know, there, there, there's a certain scenes where um, there the the spaceship innards have these technicals and um, pincers that are grabbing at the Doctor and Joe, and they could easily just kind of walk around them, but <laughs> they're they're walking like right into them, so they could be grabbed and all that, but. You know, you kind of have to kind of forgive that a little bit, but they're they're interesting nonetheless. You know, the 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 look of the when there's um, when the exons um, um, take on humanoid form, they have um, they did this thing with their eyes. They they're all gold, and they 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 had they put like ping pong balls and cut them in halves and made them into their eyes and all that. And I think the actors were blind as a bat while they had them in there. But um, I think it, you know it gave an interesting look, and when. They weren't in humanoid forms. They were these beasts with tentacles, and um, I mean, they if, um, the iconic imagery of Doctor Who of the seventies. Well, I think that's where the carrot came out. They look like root vegetables, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, every time I mean, one of the things. Every time you say carrot, I just think of I forget the name of the episode, but there's is a awfully bad episode of Lost in Space with a, a carrot alien. And um, with, um, it's, I won't get into it. I don't want to go, to, but yeah. <laughs> it brings uh, back um, childhood memories, uh, frightening childhood memories. <laughs> I mean, there's quite a lot. Of, there's quite a lot of this that's uh, filmed on location, and uh, yeah, I think you mentioned whereabouts the, the power station and that. I mean, uh, unfortunately, what happened is that when apparently when they do a, a story like this, is four episodes, they give them four days filming, but. They they spent the 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 
five days, the first day reconnoitering, you know, the, the areas where they're going to shoot. Because to keep the cost down, one of the things they do is try and find locations where they can get three or four scenes for the price of one in the same our very nearby locations. And they'd scouted out this thing and it was a lovely sunny day. This was um, the on location shoots were done very early in January, something like January the 2nd or 3rd. Um, and, um, you know, it was brilliant. Then the next day, they actually started to film and it was completely foggy, which is that scene where I, I think I mentioned, uh, you know, when Ian was standing downwind of us, the, um, the pig, the pig being Josh character, the the old tramp on a bike. Uh, and you can hardly see him riding through the mist and the snows on the ground and so on. And um, all the other scenes that they did. And then um, apparently the, um, they had to change a line of dialogue to explain mm. what was happening because there's one scene where there's lots of snow and then there's no snow and then the weather's sunny. And um, I think um, on, on one of the extras... Um, yeah. Who is it? Um, I think it's Turn Sticks who comes up with a, a line, and he gets um, one of the girls in the in the, on the phone to sort of say, uh, "We're experiencing freak weather," uh, which of course is supposedly connected with the spaceship coming down and landing. Yeah. Uh, to explain this inconsistency. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, because, as you said, it was going from foggy to snowy to you know all these different extremes, so that they incorporated into the into the script, into the story where uh, she mentions that um, there's a report of freak weather conditions so that, um, though I, I don't know if, if watchers would really pick up on it, but they, they did that anyway just to kind of cover themselves. Well, it's amazing what one line of dialogue can do. I mean, we, uh, we've even said that. I mean, I know when we've been reviewing, you know, the, the new series, uh, how, how often has somebody said, uh, well, that didn't make sense. And somebody said, well, it was inferred. Uh, and, and somebody else said, well, if they just put one line of dialogue in yeah. that said, you know, this person did that, it would all make sense. And, you know, that's exactly what Turn Sticks did. He, you know, uh, I think it was Turn Sticks, it might have been Barry Letts, but one of the two that was involved in the actual the script editor or the producer uh, did that. I think it was Turn Sticks when I think about it. Yeah, I'm not sure who actually edited the line, but. It's, he's a script editor, right. so right. it could have very well have been him. It would make sense. Yeah, yeah, it'd be easier for him to do that, yeah. All right, Captain. Well done, pilot. I must get on to you and call You go with Joe and find the doctor. If anyone can explain, he can. Now, hurry. The doctor's in the laboratory, isn't he? Yeah, that's where the alarm's coming from. Small experiment. Joe, please keep back. That's axonite here. He's now taking the whole output of Reactor 1 and absorbing it. Absorbing the whole lot and using it to grow. What the hell's happening here? Get away from my equipment, you idiots! Oh, you stupid quack! Don't touch my... It's all the same thing. Don't you see we're dealing with one single living creature? Axonite was just a dormant state until I, until I activated it. Can't you stop it? No, it's too late. Don't you see, fire this stuff could endanger the entire world. Doctor, look out! 
right, all right. I, I said I was going to explain that, but that that clip hat, that line. <laughs> Uh, this is the song. If you're wondering, it's a, a song by Orbital, and it's uh, called "Doctor Look Doctor Look Out." And uh, it's that's what "Close of Axos" always brings me back to this song because it's a it's a whole song which samples Joe Grant from this story uh, with "Doctor Look Out" and with these uh, great effects and everything like that. So if you have a, I don't, um, it might be available on iTunes. I'm, I'm not trying to sell you on it, but uh, definitely worth checking out. Uh, again, it's by Orbital. It's Doctor Looked Out. Look, Doctor Look Out. So anytime I watch this uh, Close of Axos, I, I, that song gets stuck in my head, whether or not I've heard it recently or not. So it's um, it's a great little piece that they did. And it's um, and and I, it goes well with because it's electronic music, and it goes well with this because Dudley Simpson did the electronic music for this, which actually was not. The, not the usual case at this time at this in the early 70s it it took a lot of time to do it and i think barry letts in the um, commentary makes a mention that that um they came back exhausted doing making this electronic music because it took so long to for them to do at that time and then as um you know i guess you know as that was perfected um in the 70s then it became standard fare but back then um they they did it for this episode and then they went back to like regular music um because it was such a laborious thing to do. Okay, Ian, your thoughts on the, the on the story? Well, I, I unfortunately um, didn't get a chance to rewatch it right before this episode, but I watched it about uh, two months ago. Um, it's one of those things where it's you know I've been going back and rewatching episodes, and I can't tell really whether I'd seen this one before or not because it seemed to be quite you know. You've always seen screenshots and of, of characters and, and monsters and stuff like that, so well familiar with the axons. Quite a unique look for them, I think. Um, going with the kind of um, oh uh, gorgon kind of like look, you know, with the you know all the curly hair and mm-hmm. and the, the 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 gold masks. Um, the one thing is, uh, I had to look it up just to see whether he was or he wasn't. And I found a really, really, um, not a very nice article about um, Paul Grist, who played Bill Filer. Because um, one of those things is like, is he American or isn't he? Oh, with the uh, accent, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people was quite obviously not. Which I was like, I don't know. You know, because... Great but, mutton chop sideburns, though. Yeah, exactly. I think he did a, a quite a neat job. Uh, yeah, you know, he played the action guy. He was playing the yeah. guy from Washington yeah, D.C. I don't think it's as bad. Yeah, uh, he, played, he played himself as well. Well, played two of himself, should I say? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Not going to go there. We're keeping this um, <laughs> for general audiences. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, this this one article uh, lists is is one of uh, the ten worst casting decisions ever made in Doctor Who. Sounds like a list show. But I don't think his performance is that bad. Uh, you know, he's, you know. Yeah, it's, it's all right. It's a daring kind of James Bondish type, uh, t- you know. What is he, CIA? Yeah, he's, we, he's yeah CIA. we have to assume so. He, I mean, he says he's from Washington, D.C. and, right. you know, makes some American um, references and, you know, and, but it's it's. I, I think he. Quickly, did I mean, you, you, this day and age is like you know, um, 
you can get actors from just about anywhere for you know TV shows, uh, but you still get uh, you still get actors playing you know different accents. Uh, Hugh Laurie in House, for example. I'm, the only reason why I bring that up is I've been watching House lately. Um, but I think you know actors are a lot better at it, and there's a lot more avenues for 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 actors to 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 develop you know and hone their their skills and accents than than there ever were before. You know. Um, lines of communication have got a lot, you know, um, a lot broader. You know, you can you can get on Skype with somebody in America and sit there and, and pick their brain and get their accent, and you know, without having to take a trip. I do like it's one of those things where, like, because it's been a couple of months since I've seen it, just uh, various things just kind of stick in my head, and and the whole we played part of it at the very beginning, the opening of the show. Um, where Mr. Chin turns up uh, Britain for the British, you know, and the doctor's reaction to that is just fantastic. I, I love how that's mm -hmm. kind of written. Yeah. And, and Pertwee, Pertwee always did, you know, being angry at people very well. You know, mm -hmm. Tom Baker kind of snaps, you know, and, and, and changes from, you know, the, the, the fool to, to the serious angry guy in a different way. But Pertwee's always kind of the serious kind of, you know, dry wit, and and then he just gets like, you know, he gets annoyed that that you know, hey, I'm not from round here. Do you mind? And I kind of being a <laughs> you know being a guy you know who's you know um, not <laughs> not in the country he was born. Um, I, I kind of I kind of get where he's coming from. It's like, hey, yeah, I'm not from here, so shut your face. Uh, <laughs> Ian's an alien. Ian's an alien. <laughs> you know, which is interesting because um, John Pertwee, you know, he's known for other parts like Borzel, Gumridge, and you know where you know he's Gumridge. not. You know, it's it's a little bit more over the top, and uh, he did uh, Navy mm. Lark and whatever. So where you know he would play the role, you know, comically, and here. With Doctor Who, he didn't, you know, not at all. He he took it very seriously. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean that scene there where he's like, you know, um, taking exception, and, and also, you know, this is a perfect show off of of you know the Doctor's distaste for for violence and and the Brigadier's cell, you know, bluster of you know, oh, let's just go in there guns blazing and you know, let's just blow them up. Um, but yeah, Dave, you kind of stole my thunder with the whole kind of um living ship um i was going to mention that too one of my favorite shows is far escape which, yes, got Moya, which yeah. is a living mm -hmm. ship so uh, it's kind of neat you know looking back and seeing um i mean i don't know what other what other um tv shows or movies that did use that well dave mentioned um, before we started um the star trek next generation episode what was it called again dave the tin man the tin man our tin our tin man mm-hmm that's the one where they uh, we ha they have a telepathic uh, chapper board. Um, it's actually the bloke who plays the mayor in uh, Buffy. He's been in lots of other roles, but um, um, he he's the one that um, makes an association and um, and it it's one of these. It looks like a, an ice cream cornet or a um, a cream a cream cornet. And um, there's the other captain of the other ship who wants to fly down the throat of it. And it mm. turns out that, um, you know, it, 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 there's a symbiotic relationship. It needs a pilot or a, 
uh, a symbiotic pilot to to uh, to make it complete. And um, the, the chap on board the uh, the ship uh, actually um, wants to be transported towards it, and and, and that eases the well it becomes a solution i think and i hope i haven't got two different stories mixed up there but that that's what my memory is telling me at the moment right okay yeah but um it, it it's a, a neat concept uh, i think you know uh to explore uh and i guess it was one of those things i wasn't quite you know expecting and the fact that they were all kind of um almost all one one being it's a bit like the Zygons as well, I suppose, with the, you know the the Loch Ness monster, which was a, you know, like a, almost like a living ship, wasn't it? Um, right. Yeah. Well, that's they. That, I mentioned that before. You know, the, the Zygons used organic technology like that. Well, Doctor, I'm still waiting to hear this uh, this marvelous scheme of yours. Actually, there isn't one. Well, then why? Because if you mend the TARDIS, we can both escape. Both. Doctor, are, uh, are you suggesting an alliance? Why not? I don't want to spend the rest of my life as a heap of dust on a second-rate planet to a third-rate star. Do you? You mean to say that you are actually prepared to abandon your beloved Earth to the Axon's tender mercies? Certainly. After all, we are both Time Lords. <laughs> Maybe. Look, why should I help you? Because if you don't, I shall hand you over to Unit, and you'll become a prisoner on a doomed planet. Yes, well, you'll be doomed along with me. Exactly. We either escape together or we die together. Oh, very generous. But look, why not just hand me over to Unit and make your escape by yourself? Well, because the Time Lords have put a block on my knowledge of dematerialization theory, that's why. <sighs> yeah, so we haven't got much time. What's your decision? All right, I accept. Good. Well, you're the mechanic. What's the answer? The answer, Doctor, is this. Now this will compensate for the deficiencies in your dematerialization circuit. Well, with a little ingenuity, I may be able to join one to the other, but um, it'll take time. Well, it better not take too much time. Right, you get on with the repairs, I'll go and work out some course coordinates. Very well. Just in case you were thinking of leaving without me. There's uh, the doctor and the master talking in the TARDIS. If I'm not mistaken, in that same yeah. scene, you could see they, they walk into the TARDIS and the TARDIS interior doors don't close all the way. And, and the doctor walks around the console and the, the, it's still ajar. The, the, they have in it and they have it in and outer doors. Yeah, well, I was going to get to it's, that as well. And, but then the right. doors, then the doors are shut. Just a little continuity thing. Then the door, the next scene, the doors are shut. But uh, but you, Dave, you're right. There's you get you. We finally get to see sort of the, the vestibule. Um, area between uh, the interior doors, but well, we don't see the exterior doors from inside. But there's there's more round holes, which is um, basically just the, like one of their um, um, uh, printed uh, walls that they have they they put in there, so that you don't actually see the outside of the you don't see the outside exterior wherever they're located um, from the stage that they're shooting the inside. Yeah, it's like a double doorway entrance. But the 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 thing that you do pick up on the roundels there is that um, in this one of the roundels becomes the, the exterior scanner. viewing screen. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. which is is different. And of course, this is that scene when it when it happens. You're quite amazed. You're thinking, 
the doctor is he really going to be that selfish is he you know um because we, we know that um i mean go back to what uh a year ago something like uh, inferno where he's trying to get the you know the tardis console working and that we do know uh that this third doctor is you know marooned on earth and uh a couple of times he's tried to get away and Mm-hmm. Uh, there, th- there has been this year. So you're thinking, oh, well, perhaps actually, you know, he's um, planning to do that, uh, have this or no holy alliance with the master. Uh, I mean, one of the things that surprised me was when, uh, in that scene where the the doctor, you know, has escaped from the uh, the ship and and comes in. Prior to that, we'd seen the master in the TARDIS. And the TARDIS console was a massive wires where the doctor had been trying to fix it mm-hmm. uh, because it was not really fully functional, and yeah. uh, he didn't he didn't seem to acknowledge that. Gosh, you know, thank you for mending my TARDIS or whatever. The master makes the realization that some of the control circuits in the the nuclear power station uh, could act as a sort of a, a conduit, a limiter, or whatever it was, uh, and he gets you know ninety percent working. Um, and um, uh, as you see, when, when the when the doctor is just about to go and uh, uh, carry on with the uh, leave the master to make the final preparations, he takes uh, an element from the console to stop the master going without him. But um, so we're a little based at this, and, and a little bit later on, of course, um, we we get um, Joe Grant. Can't believe that the doctor. Is seriously going to leave them. I mean, there's real jeopardy here. We get a scene in the nuclear power station, you know, with these uh, with these creatures closing in on them. The Doctor and the Master have apparently go, oh, just before that, by the way. Um, I mean, there was a scene that we haven't had a clip for, but the the, the scene where the, the Master is going to uh, do this feedback loop, as it were, uh, you know, to, because they're drawing this power from the... Um, the nuclear power station, uh, but they're drawing it at a rate they can accommodate. And so the master says, "Well, if you if he says to um, uh, Colonel Lethbridge, Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart, you know, if you promise my freedom, I, I can save us because they just arrested him, and um, you know uh, what he, he he's going to do is is do this feedback loop, and it's because of that that the the doctor manages to escape." But um, oh uh, yeah, uh, sorry. I was just, I've got the I've got the uh, the DVD playing at the moment. They've just seen that double door scene. That's what just distracted me. So yeah, there's another. But then we have this scene, as I say, where there's real jeopardy, where it appears that the uh, the doctor has left with the master, and Joe may never see him again. And um, they basically. Um, of course, the the doctor, uh, you know, they they take off, and uh, the master says, "Well, we're we're not in interdimensional space at the moment. Why are you stopping?" And he says, "Well, this is as far as we go." And they basically land inside the Axos ship because um, again, he's going to he's, he's 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 formed a false alliance with the master. He's now going to form a false alliance with the Axons. Uh, and of course, this is the point at which the master thinks uh, retreat is the better part of valor. And um, at this point, he, um, you know, uh, 
sneaks off into his own TARDIS, which is within the body of the ship. And uh, the uh, the Doctor causes a ruse that basically blows the ship up, or at least uh, puts it into... Uh, what does it put it into? What does it put it into? What does it put it into? What does it put it into, Ian? Just smack him upside the head. He'll, he'll break out of it in a second. <laughs> <laughs> a time loop. He puts it into a time loop, so all these monsters then disappear. Time loop. Uh, but not before... Time loop. Yeah, but not before the nuclear power station is just still going to explode. And that's when you get everybody going away, but thinking that the Doctor has deserted them, uh, not knowing that although the, 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 the explosion goes on, and it's not a nuclear explosion, uh, that's been saved because all the energy has been absorbed out of the nuclear reactor, but it's still an explosion of the building. Um, and, and then we have a rather comic scene, um, which I think might be played out in the final clip of uh, what happens after that explosion. Yeah. Well, this is a fine welcome, I must say. Well, it's perfectly simple, Brigadier. A time loop is it's um well anyway, it, it's a time loop. One one passes continually through the same points in time. Passes through the same Yes. Well the Axon said they wanted time travel and now they've got it. What about the master? Well, I sincerely hope he's with them. Hope? Well, I can't be absolutely sure. I was pretty busy at the time. But I'm ninety percent certain though. No. How much? Well, pretty certain. Well, I suppose he could have got away. Just. This time loop thing, how did you get out of it? Well, I simply boosted the circuits and broke free. And you came back of your own accord? Well, I... Doctor? No. No, I'm afraid not. No, obviously the Time Lords have programmed the TARDIS always to return to Earth. It seems that I'm some kind of a galactic yo-yo. Great ending, great line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, you know, that wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, uh, that sentence got away from me. <laughs> <sighs> it just, it's, it's great, that, that, that link mm. up to the 10th Doctor, I think, is, is great. Uh, but it, it, I, I like the fact that he's honest there. I mean, I don't think he would have deserted them, and obviously he didn't. But um, he may well have, once the situation is resolved, have done that. But like he says, we, we now get an explanation of um, uh, or a reminder to those who've not seen, you know, uh, the third Doctor being, you know, basically um, planted on Earth uh, and that's his punishment. Um, uh, reminded that uh, even though he's got the skills, uh, some of that knowledge has been taken away from him. And even if he regains the knowledge, or through the master's collusion uh, sorts it out, um, uh, they've, they've, they've got a backup plan that the TARDIS, you know, will only return him back to Earth. Right. So, um, so that, that's a nice way of the, the story, uh, you know, solving itself. So I, I actually, I mean, what you what did you say it came on that list? One hundred and thirty-nine or something. One thirty-nine, um, I think. Yeah, 
which is down from 129 well, from last time. Well, if I may go first, although sure. I know Ian's got pressure of time. So, actually, Ian, do you want to go first? Or are you okay? I'm okay. All right. Um, I absolutely uh, did enjoy this. I thought, um, I, I'd forgotten, I mean, um, I think there's somebody on uh, on the internet who's used Mr. Chin as his, um, his alter ego, hasn't he? Um, but um, I, I, I like this. I mean, this um, it's Earth-based, but yet we've got, you know, a realistic invasion in this case, and they're coming down, uh, as we said, like Greeks bearing gifts. They almost look Grecian a little bit in their looks. Reminded me a little bit, dare I say, of Voyage of the Damned Angels. Um, you could argue it could remind you of Robots of Death a little bit as well. But um, mm -hmm. I, I think it's simplistic makeup. It's basically a leotard gold paint and a ping pong ball, as you said, uh, Lewis, uh, but it works extremely well. Um, the um, the the way that uh, John Pertwee acts, and I, 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 I've already mentioned Katie Manning's acting. Uh, I should also mention, um, you know, uh, Lethbridge Stewart. Um, I think Nicholas Courtney is excellent in this, as as well as Roger Delgado. So it is brilliant. Uh, uh, Tim Big Tim Bigot Smith is. Not underused here because he's still a fairly new actor, but just to give you an idea of what he's been in, uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. He's Churchill, the Wilderness Years, uh, Jewel in the Crown. That's where he really made his name in 1984, a good, you know, 12, 13 years later. Gangs of New York, uh, Pompeii, The Last Day, North and South, which was a, um, a series in the UK, not not the film North and South, uh, The Remains of the Day, The Bletchley Circle, which is a fabulous thing, yep. Silent Witness, Downton Abbey, The Suspicions of Mr. Witcher, Foyle's War, uh, Quantum of Solace even he's been in. So, <clears throat> absolute, um, one of the things about, um, you know, if you watch the alumni of Doctor Who, you see these people, you think, gosh, I didn't know he was in that, and they've become big stars um, after the event. So I thought it was really great. Um, what else? Oh, yeah, um, the actual DVD transfer uh, is pretty good. Um, uh, episodes one and four are the better copies because they still have the original PAL copies. Mm -hmm. uh, episodes two and three have been reconstructed from the... Um, NTSC yeah. uh, recordings they, they that they had to reverse available. process that. Right, indeed. Now, um, there's some slight difference between Lewis and myself with the DVD. I've got uh, the Clause of Axos, the special edition, which seemed to have some more extras in than than Lewis is aware of. Yes. There's um, a great chat with uh, John Levine. Yeah, that's not in uh, mind. That. Um, John, yeah, John Levine, me and John Levine, uh, with Tony Haydock doing that. There's a marvellous, um, uh, over, well over an hour of studio recordings showing them actually at the, in the studio filming scenes, two or three takes when somebody slips a line and messes the line up. But it's lovely, lovely to watch because you see the sort of little interactions and then there's a scene where, where uh, like John Pertwee's saying that this thing's got a heartbeat and he requests the, you know, the uh, studio control. You know, can I do that again? I didn't quite come in on the beat and 
I missed it. And and then there's there's another scene where Nicholas Courtney says, um, I'd just like to do that line again. I didn't deliver it. And then um, the Roger Delgado, where he's doing a close-up where, you know, you will obey me with his hypnotism. And he's, he, he's directing the cameraman almost to, to focus in on his eyes. So that is really brilliant. Uh, so there's an awful lot of good. There's um, now and then showing the actual locations. Um, uh, Axon stations is another one. Cast and crew look back at the making of the story. Apparently they were really, really cold. Yeah. <laughs> one great line where, where when we mentioned about uh, Joe Grant being held with those claws holding uh, inside the ship, she said... Um, there's quite a bit of feeling going on <laughs> in in those scenes, but I didn't mind. It was all in good fun. Yeah, because they were they were <laughs> but, puppeteers but, behind the walls. Yeah, they can't but, see what they were grabbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah supposedly a bit, a bit of, <laughs> of touchy feeling going on there. I think yeah, but yeah, really, um, I, I I I I rate this pretty well. The monsters were, you know, good enough. But um, I thought it was it, it was a very good story, and I did enjoy watching it, and I really enjoyed uh, catching the um, all the extras. Ian, yeah, um, it's it's a pretty good episode. Um, for some reason, I thought it was longer than four episodes. I don't know if that says something to uh, the middle part, kind of dragging out a little bit. Um, well, it was originally six, and before overall, I mean, it, before it was shot, I mean, it right. was written as six. Yeah, I'm glad they kind of condensed it down because mm-hmm. it did still seem seem to me to drag just a little bit. Yeah, it, it's neat seeing because uh, I know that I'm not all up on my classic Doctor Who. I don't know how often we get an American. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm doing air quotes. American showing up in Doctor Who, but. Um, it's kind of a neat change of pace to see, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a government official from from America showing up in the show and gives it a, you know, bit a slight different edge to it. It's, it, yeah. it, it's not, yeah, a bit of international flair. And, you know, I suppose that's one of their attempts to kind of get, you know, get the show over to America maybe by having a, you know, who knows? You know, if the doctor had been traveling at the time, you know, would he have taken him on board as a, as a, you know, companion. I, I mean, it, it's all well realized. Uh, I like the, the, you know, burying the, the the ship into the into the um, into the ground. You know, thereby just having the opening to the ship. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it's it's all, you know. I, again, I'm going with you know two month old memories. Um, yeah. No. For those of you who are interested, mm-hmm. if you want to go back and rewatch it now after listening to us talk about it. Um, it is available on Hulu, which is where I caught it. Um, Hulu, you can just send us all the free subscriptions you like after yeah, all really? this free advertising. <laughs> I, I'm not entirely sure where they get their where they get their uh, episodes from. I, I do believe it's probably from uh, the original DVD rather than the special edition. But yeah, it's 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 a decent story. Uh, it's a it's a bit of a trope, you know the the you know Greeks bearing gifts, um, the old Trojan horse, the uh, oh, what's the Twilight Zone episode? Uh, How to serve man? Dave, you should know this. How to, yeah, serve, to man? serve man? Yeah. Oh yes. To serve man. To yeah. Serve man. yeah. Good yeah. 
yeah, where the you know, the alien show up and oh yes, we can offer you all these wonderful things and you know, but no, we're here to devour you. And yeah, again, the the the, the living ship, you know, um, and just like they were talking about with the tentacles and everything, but it, it, it's just kind of neat that they're you know. Um, the whole ship is, is is one. It's not some creature behind a wall. It's it's the entire ship that's you know serving the you know it's 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 master its people. It, well, it's all part of the same thing. Um, so yeah, uh, probably give it three and a half Tardis grams. Oh. Uh, that's not bad. My, it's not my favorite of, of stories. It was it was good to watch it and and, and see it from beginning to end. Again, a lot of you know a lot of Doctor Who's uh, uh, classic Doctor Who's I've seen were usually seen in the context of of uh, a Doctor Who club meeting. So you're half watching, half talking to somebody about mm-hmm. you know like a book you just picked up or something. So you're you never quite see it all, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's good to be able to go back and catch up, and uh, that's kind of why I enjoy doing these on on Podshock is that it gives you the opportunity to and the excuse to go back and and you know. Because sometimes it's difficult to pick, you know, which episode shall I watch now? You know, um, so thank you guys. Hey, you're welcome. Yeah, uh, actually, I, I, I'm not even too, because I didn't give my rating. I, I might only be three and a half. I mean, I could nudge it towards a four for uh, Roger Delgado and the acting. But it's, it's probably the, three and a half is probably a, a very fair rating, I think. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to make. And that just leaves that. Yeah. Penny. I'm just going to make some comments about the DVD. Um, as I, as Dave had said, mine's an older one. It's from 2005, and um, the commentary has Katie Manning, Richard Franklin, and Barry Letts. And at one point, Barry Letts mentions the year that the commentary was done. They, they usually usually do these commentaries in advance of the DVD release, so sometimes it's a couple years. So he had mentioned it's 2003 when he was doing the commentary. So just to kind of put you in perspective when this DVD was made. So. Um, my problem with the DVD, though, is um, the audio levels of the of the content is fairly low. So you wind up raising the volume, on you know when you're watching it, and then when you go back to the DVD menus, they're normal sound and it's blasting. It's so it's very you know. Um, I I wish the levels were more in sync or more leveled with each other because uh, it's a bit jarring going back to the menu and if you don't remember to turn the volume back down because for some reason the content on my DVD just seems um, a little low. So, um, right. yeah, the DVD that I have, um, it has a, a 25 minute uh, selection of behind the scenes, the, the, the outtakes, you know, um, deleted scenes or whatnot. Uh, they have now and then as well. Um, they have a, a little, um, a 10 minute video about the Axon legacy because um, of the, as Dave mentioned, two of the episodes had to be converted back to PAL because they was they were found in America, they were missing. They found um, NTC, NTSC copies of them, which have different lines. Uh, one has five twenty five lines. NTC, uh, um, NTCSC. I'm I'm just sorry. NTSC. Um, never the same color is a way to remember it. <laughs> and, never the same color twice. Yeah. yeah. And then it has, um, um, I believe it was it's sixty frames per second as opposed to fifty frames on the PAL. So anyway, it was a whole long process of having to change it back. But what's interesting is that um, the um, the first the, the person that um, that developed the um, 
the first way of, of transferring the, the of, of going from one to the other standard was uh, name axon. You know, I forget his first name, but um, it's just a coincidence there. So that they, they have a lot of fun with that. Um, it also contains directing doc, directing who, which is a has a little uh, piece by Michael Ferguson who directed this um, episode. Um, the episode itself I found a little slow pace. I mean, again now in hindsight watching it, as Ian had mentioned, we've you know we've seen this before. You know, aliens bearing gifts and they have they have evil intentions behind them. Um, so it's a little like oh well we've seen this before. Also. Um, the Axos, which is a whole collective of that's the spaceship and all the beings that are on it are all one organism, one thing. So it suffers a little bit from like the Vija thing that Star Trek, the motion picture had. There was no real one enemy. There was like no one that they um, that that you could real. I mean, they had some. They had one um, Axon that was pretty much like a spokesperson, but um, and even the master in this. You know, of course, he he wants to destroy Earth or whatever, but he didn't. He was sort of like pretty aimlessly going around without any real direction. It didn't seem like he had quote the post a, a, a master an plan. Was an unwilling accomplice. Yeah, wasn't yeah. He? I mean, was it an was an unwilling accomplice. Yeah. which has happened to him a few times. Of course. Before. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, I, I did enjoy it. There, there again. Um, in hindsight, looking back on it, some of the effects and uh, both, you know, the, the the physical, practical effects might not hold up so well today. But uh, for its time, you know, you, um, it, it's, you know, they, they were cutting edge. Um, so I'm going to give it three, three TARDIS drones, three and a half TARDIS drones. I know that's what everyone's been, uh, hey. we've all been saying the same thing, hey. but... It's, one of us, one of us. Sorry, what? <laughs> you know, also the the axons had. Speaking of um, one of, it, they had like this monotone voice as well. So it's it's a little slow. It's slow pace. So I, I would have liked it. I mean, they used um, havoc to uh, as it, it's, a, it's a stuntman group to do some of the action scenes. So there is some action scenes in it. But I would like to have seen maybe a little bit more action or a little bit more. Um, I don't know. It just seemed a little slow. And it's pacing. So, but I, I'll give it, um, again, uh, if you put yourself in the mindset of 1971, three and a half TARDIS drones, otherwise three TARDIS drones. Right. Uh, when you were talking about the um, volume, um, if it was the commentary volume, they had the same op uh, problem with that was when they'd done the remaster, um, the, re the, the commentary had been done from the older version. So there was a, there was a, an, it didn't sync. The commentary didn't oh, really? sync with the, with the new cleaned mm -hmm. up thing. So, although that's maybe on my copy, not on yours. Yeah, no, I, I didn't notice a syncing problem. Just the, the volume levels just was seemed off. Every time I went back to the main menu, I was reminded how, you know, that I raised the volume to, you know, when I was watching the actual content, right. of, be it the extras or, the commentary or whatever, you know, and then all of a sudden you're jarred back to like, ah, it's blasting, <laughs> you know, and you have to quickly lower the volume. <laughs> With, otherwise, you'll be thrown into a time loop. Otherwise, you'll be thrown into a time loop. If, otherwise, you'll be thrown into a time loop. Into a time loop. <laughs> into a time otherwise, you'll be yeah. thrown into a time loop. All right, well, that's um, the close of Axos. <laughs> so we're going to... Um, that brings that bring, I gotta say this. Go that ahead. brings this review to a close. I mean close. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, no, that wasn't back to the beginning. It wasn't vampire from space, so space vampires. <laughs> that would have sucked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we want to hear what you might thought of this episode. If you, you know, uh, if you just recently watched it, um, or if you want to watch it now and give us your thoughts on it, we're all ears or claws. And um, you can send your feedback to um, Pachak. Uh, you can send it to feedback at podshock.net, uh, or you can call the Podshock public call box at 206-337-4699. It works like voicemail, so just leave a message there. And um, if you like, go to our website, podshock.net, and on the top there's a tab there for feedback, and that will give you the latest uh, public call box phone number and other ways to uh, send us your feedback. Um, so to that end, we do have feedback. This is uh, from Joe, and um, this is uh, concerning the Doctor Who monthly uh, DWM poll that we had spoke about in the news section. Hello. I want to comment on the recent Doctor Who survey in Doctor Who magazine. And I thought it was interesting that in the under-18s episodes like Genesis of the Daleks and Caves of Andrazani were ahead of Blink. Uh, I'm a high school teacher. I've shown episodes like Blink when we're on lockdown, when there's people with guns on campus. And they love episodes like Blink and Girl in the Fireplace and Father's Day and all the one-parters that I have time to show when there's a, an incident on campus. And I just, if I put on Genesis of the Daleks, they would all fall asleep. If I put on the Caves of Andrazani, they would have no idea what was going on. They would be bored. They wouldn't follow it. Put on some of the modern ones. They love it. So I just don't know who those under-18s are. But I guess under-18s who take the time to vote in a survey are probably different than the average under-18. Uh, my other comment is I've been watching Doctor Who with my girlfriend, who hadn't seen Doctor Who before, and she has a, a bit of a difficulty with the accents. So we turn on the subtitles. And I noticed that I... It turns out that a lot of the things I thought they said or that I, there's a lot of things I didn't hear in the background. So the subtitles can be kind of an interesting way to watch it on a second, third run. And I don't mean the notes. I mean the actual subtitles of what's being said. Uh, we watched Midnight last night, which was really interesting because the subtitles were all printed twice. But then when she lost, when she lost everyone but the doctor, their voices started going in a, with singular sentences and not the double sentences, which lets you know that she had lost control of the others before you would have picked that up watching it without the subtitles. I don't know if I said that right, but I think you know what I mean. Anyway, try watching Doctor Who with the subtitles. And that's all I have to say. All right, until next time. Thank you. Well, thank you, Joe. Good comments. Yeah. You know, and even if yeah. you... Uh, my brother Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, even if you don't have a problem with accents, sometimes it's good to uh, put the subtitles on because sometimes David Tennant and um, and um, um, Matt uh, Smith. Matt Smith, thank you. Uh, senior moment there. Uh, you know, sometimes they do tend to talk quickly, and sometimes it's, it's hard to catch everything that they say. Sometimes, so it, I notice. I, I say that because wonderful Dave, you know, puts together the audio clips for our reviews. And you get to hear the audio when, without watching the video. And I pick up on things that, even though I watched the video maybe three or four times, for some reason I'm distracted by the video or whatever, and I'm not picking up everything 
that's there or you know via the audio track and then I listen to it without the video and I'm picking up on things so I imagine the subtitles will do the same thing yeah I was just gonna say my brother-in-law always listens uh, watches it with the subtitles on the very same reason but um I think with the the, the midnight episode I think when it goes to a single uh, viewing of the text isn't that the 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 part in the story where they're in sync, so that um, you know the creature that's taking over the woman and the doctor are talking at the same time? So they may that may be an indication of uh, that the voices have got into sync at that point. Because you remember she's copying him, and then the the time in which she copies the doctor's speech catches up and catches up and catches up. Then she's saying it with him, and then she's almost saying it before him um and, and i think he's very uh, he's right as well in the um it's a self-selection process isn't it the sort of teenagers that would um uh, that you know not only read this magazine but take the make the effort of filling in the um you know the poll as it were may choose that just very briefly uh because uh, I do want you to go and buy the magazine, but the under-18s, their top three was um, Day of the Doctor, City of Death, Remembrance of the Daleks. The 18 to 35 age group uh, was Day of the Doctor, Blink, Caves of Androzani. And the over 36, sorry, 36 and overs, the top three were Blink, Talons of Wai Chiang and Genesis of the Daleks. Very interesting. Um, I think that's going to um, wrap things up for this episode uh, of Dr. Upachak. And um, once again, apologies for me being under the weather a bit here. I'm gonna, after the show's over, I'm going to take some aspirins or Tylenol or something to um, hopefully relieve these um, conditions. And I want to thank uh, Dave and Ian, who both can be heard on the Cultum Collective, which they alluded to earlier today, which they'll be doing a rundown. Um, they'll, be talk well, they'll be doing a show on this very topic. The Doctor Who Monthly poll, uh, magazine, Doctor Who magazine poll. That's my problem. It's Doctor Who magazine, not Doctor Who Monthly. It used to be. <laughs> it used to be Doctor Who Monthly. Yes. So. Uh, <laughs> Just showing your age. That's yes, all that's what I said before. So, uh, but you can catch. Uh, by the time this episode goes out, most likely the live show would have come to pass, but you'd be available via iTunes and also you can download it on TalkShoe.com. <laughs> no, no, Lewis. We don't. No? We don't work like that. No. We'll be on part two by then. <laughs> yeah, but you pay, excuse me, you pay to, you be able to uh, download the episode after it's live is what I'm getting at. Yeah, and I'm saying it will take us two Sundays to cover that. Okay, so you can you still Last can cut. Took us took us five episodes. Oh my! <laughs> All right, so it's going to be an ongoing saga. <laughs> Indeed, we'll be caught in the time loop. I'll we'll say. We'll be caught in the time loop. We'll be caught in the time loop. We'll be caught in the time loop. Quick end the show before we end up in another time loop. Like well, Ian's washer, caught in the time loop. Yes. A <laughs> uh, dryer, that is. Well, thank you for having us, sir. We, uh, I, speaking for myself, I enjoyed I enjoyed myself tremendously. I enjoyed having you. It was, a, it was an episode I could really get my claws into. <laughs> I'll take that on the chin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I think we exhausted puns, but Dave may have. One or two. Maybe uh, not. No, just stand down, Wendy. Okay. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> until next time, cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.
You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan-run GallifernMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit arttrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. Seems that I'm some kind of a galactic yo-yo.